conducting himself like a knucklehead. Welcome back to the Chase Brewster Show. I am your host, Chase Brewster. Today we have a very, very special guest for the finale of season two. Someone who has changed millions of lives uh, without ever meeting them through social media and in person, as well as uh, his true profession of being a basketball coach. Someone who you can see organically is trying to be a part of change, which is the main reason we started this podcast. And one of the main reasons we're so excited to have him on the finale of season two and one of the most genuine people I've ever met in person who was generous enough to give me his time uh, two summers ago. I'm sure he doesn't remember as he meets thousands of people a day or a month, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. This episode's guest is ELAC head coach and last chance you zone, Coach John Mosley Jr. How you doing, Coach? Doing good, man. It's just, it doesn't change. It's the same. You know, I, I think everybody expects different or more. We, I'm doing the same, man. We here grinding, trying to get these young men scholarships and coaching them up. And, you know, uh, I don't think I'm, I'm running up walls as much, but, but yeah, I'm still, still grinding. You know, two summers ago, I, there's no way you'll remember, but I'll tell you, your son was playing at, at late point, I believe in Atlanta and we were staying at the mm -hmm. same hotel in Kennesaw, the embassy suites ran into yeah, the downstairs. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I ran into you. And I wanted to be very, very, very cautious of your time and, and just said, hey, I'm a big fan and really appreciate what you're doing. And we stayed and, and kind of hung out for, you know, 10 minutes. It was obvious that you didn't mind talking to people and, um, you know, almost kind of enjoyed, you know, I guess meeting other people. And uh, over the next couple of days, we were both there, saw you in the lobby. I mean, obviously, you're very recognizable now and you, you are who you are. But just to, you know, to meet somebody so Pro, pro with a profile like you and be so down to earth, man, as someone who kind of in the, in this profession, I was super appreciative of that. And uh, those that don't ever get a chance to meet you, I feel like it's important to start that out because uh, you were very generous with your time and we appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it, it's, uh, I tell a lot of people, man, I mean, I, I, I was, we, a lot of us are doing the same thing, but you know, they just, I, I just got chosen to be on television and, uh, it was kind of like a cold call, so I get this opportunity to be on this platform. But I'm I'm just like anybody else that's out there, uh, you know, impacting in, in a coaching way. I mean, they just were able to see a little bit of my personality, and I guess it it kind of resonated with others. Uh, but I'm no different than anybody else, man. That's out there doing, you know, you know, trying to mentor these young people and trying to inspire, uh, you know, young people. And there's thousands and thousands that are doing it and not getting recognition for it. Well. Fortunately for you, every every group and every profession and every whatever needs a leader. And right now you're, you know, you're carrying the flag for uh, people that really care about people, especially coaches. Mm -hmm. And we started this podcast to be about change. If I knew how to change the world, I wouldn't have a podcast. I'd be, you know, I have my own TV show or something. But uh, the, the, the hashtag of the show is uh, change, inspire, motivate. That's what we want to do. Mm -hmm. I think I got the best group of friends. And uh, the last 22 episodes, we just kind of hit record on normal conversations and uh, we, we've had a uh, fantastic views and listeners for a guy that's got no idea what he's doing. I don't look the part. I don't sound the part, but 
uh, we've been able to, you know, I, I think if one person can get something from an episode, it's been a great uh, experience. So I appreciate having you on and man, just kind of want to dive into that and, and wasn't going to start here, but you kind of brought it up. So now I'm intrigued to ask right away. Tell me how you did get on the Netflix show. Tell me how that process was. Was it something you guys were looking for? No, they, they just cold called us, man. And, and just, I think they were fishing a little bit and there were some, some others that said, no, uh, I think they wanted to move to basketball. I think uh, a lot of it, uh, it comes from the executives or whoever makes the decision to, uh, you know, to buy these shows. Uh, you know, I guess there's some algorithm or something. I don't know which they say, okay, let's take a look at the sport. Let's take a look at what's going to be viewed. Let's take a, what's going to give great viewership. And based on that, they get, you know, uh, I guess the last chance you franchise or whatever, they get funding to record us. And, um, and they were fishing and I think they moved on from football and said, I think we should do another sport. And I think they, they just were cold calling and they reached out to me and I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm past my twenties where I need all of the, yeah. you know, the lights and the cameras and all of that stuff. And I was just about helping people. I'm living this life. I got a young family and I'm like, you know what? I really don't need that. That's just an added headache. And there was, uh, you know, I did two people in particular, one of my, uh, a buddy of mine who's a coach and then my pastor, everybody else said, dude, you better not do it. You're going to get fired. Like, what are you doing? Like, don't even mess with it. You're going to get fired. And I, um, I initially was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. I will get fired. I'll do something. I'll screw something up and they'll catch me on camera, you know, saying the wrong thing. Well, you know, ultimately, buddy of mine and my pastor kind of sh shared the same sentiment. It was like, you know what? That's who you are, who you are, and and being able, being uh, able to display how you impact in lives and young people. And I'm like, yeah, but how about once the camera hits, I'm starting to feel myself and I fall off, kind of like I watch a lot of reality shows and um, you watch a lot of that stuff, right? And 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 then eventually those cameras are around so much. And they start to slip up and they start to do things that are like way off. And uh, and they they lose some credibility because of that. And I'm like, I don't want any part of that. And they said, well, that that probably won't happen for the person that you are. And I'm like, OK, we'll see. Um, but ultimately, I, we just agreed to it. They were fishing and cold called. And I think it worked out for them, you know, uh, for the majority of the, that that franchise living out here. They had done the shows in East Mississippi and Kansas and then uh and then up in the Bay and really they're based here in Southern California. And so for them to do that and for them to find a, a spot like this in a community college, and we kind of had some of the, I think we had some of the stories that they were looking for. We had the young man, we had the success as well. And we had the highs and lows. We weren't too high. We weren't too low. And so they found some great stories. And I just think the, the editors, it was magical. Uh, the editors had, you know, I, and me, in my opinion, I, I said, man, God had his hand on the editors because a message that I would want to get out, I think it got out that, um, you know, I wanted uh, me personally, you know, I'm a, a man of faith and that first and foremost most needs to, you know, make sure that that message is there. Like, I'm just not a coach who's, who's, uh, you know, I'm not just a coach who's trying to get wins and move up the ladder, but trying to inspire and help these young men and, and move them out. And then also to show that there are people out there that that need us, that need coaches, real coaches and real mentors that are going to live out the burdens with them. And uh, and 
and uh, that was displayed, and the, and the the editors did a good job of putting that putting that together. But it was a straight cold call, and I was like, man, I didn't even know what Last Chance You was. I was like, I kind of heard of it. I saw it on Netflix. And then I went, before I even agreed, I went and watched a little bit of the football. And I said, dude, that's not me. I can't do that. I thought the show was going to be boring. I said, it's going to be boring. I mean, I was, I was like, dude, I, you know, you assume that they're going to look for just the most grossest stories and follow the gross stories. And they said, no, we're going to follow. We only can take the content and then put the stories together based on the content. I said, all right, man, don't go poking and flipping, you know, rocks over trying to find you know, some crazy stories and, and they didn't. So, it, you know, from that standpoint that, you know, they built my trust and, and, and it was great. It, it was, it was good. The, the first season in particular was really super duper authentic. Cause we had nothing, we didn't know what to expect being the first season to do basketball. We saw football, but basketball, we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what it was going to look like and how they put it together. Uh, that it was really, it was really great. How how uh how much did you how much of an impact did you have on the storyline and did you when did you get to see like the actual episodes compared to when they were complete like were, were you a part of the process as they were making the the eight or ten episodes? No, not a part of anything, and I might have screwed it up, um, you know, uh, but I wasn't a part of it. And I think they they make it clear that when you do a documentary, a docu series, you you or at least the docu series, there's um they just collect content and then they put the stories together so you actually don't know and you sign off and say well you know you you give them the right to put together the content and so that was a little bit scary you know i was in you know woke up in a cold sweat one night like what did i do man I'm, i screwed up i shouldn't have said this i shouldn't have did that but they were they were great about putting together the right stories and the right things and um you know i had no uh and i got a chance you know you get a chance to watch it maybe a week and a half before it comes out i don't i don't get it early some of the the um producers you know you know we got great relationships they'll they'll send me a clip like dude you guys were so funny on this you know and, and they'll send a clip to our phones and and they were like dude you got to see how this is going to turn out and we will watch you know maybe a 30 second clip or something but beyond that didn't get a chance to see the whole thing um maybe a week prior to the show uh being released how uh how disappointing or and you can if i'm wrong let me know but they've said they're not going back for season three correct yeah i'm they, they um uh, i think not just them the franchise but it, it's the uh you know it's netflix man they 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 got some uh some way that they figure the direction they want to go in terms of how they want to spend i mean ultimately that's the that's what it has nothing to do with East LA college or last chance you or the stories. It's about, you know, the bottom line and the bottom line is where they can make the most money and, and where they can have the most success for, for, for the Netflix brand. So uh, I guess doing another one, you know, it, it, a lot of people want to see it and the, the fans of the show would enjoy it, but it wouldn't benefit Netflix. So I don't think they're going to return um, that's what it's all about. But the, those who put the show together, they said they would have loved to return. I don't know if I would have done it. Like I said, in the last, it's, it's consuming and tiring and you start to lose yourself. You know, I can see how movie stars, I can see how, you know, there's, I can see how you lose yourself. You start to become consumed with the cameras a little bit, you know, and, and, uh, I don't think I've drifted that way, but I can see how it happens and it can become a distraction. The first year and two years, first two years, I was like, I'm not going to let this be a distraction. Forget the cameras. But then when they come and they film, 
you don't let it be a distraction, but then when you see it on the show and everybody's talking about it and then you rewatch it and then you're consciously aware of the cameras the next time around. Uh, so I don't, I don't know about I want to, you know, will, would even want to do it again or, uh, because it's, it's consuming to, to make sure that you represent what's really going on. And it was not a front, it's not fake, but you really wanted to be open. And I left, I left it open. I said, if we're going to do this, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave it open for them to see everything. And, you know, you know, to the going home, uh, just making sure they see kind of everything. And that takes a lot of energy to to make sure that you make yourself available. You know, uh, you know, like you're you got a, a day. It starts eight in the morning and you're mic'd up and they're following you. And then, you know, finally practice is over. You're exhausted and you hand them the mic and they say, well, can we hop in the car with you and and go go to your home? And then it's like, OK, I got to call my wife. And she's like, no, the house is not clean. What are we doing? And so, you know. And I never wanted to make them feel like, um, um, you know, that they were a burden so that they can, you know, be creative and not have to work around, you know, creating so they can create a, a good picture of what was going on. And if I was tired going home, then it was good for the cameras to see that, you know, if I, if uh, whatever the mood was, you know, I, you don't want to play up to everything, whatever it was, that's what you wanted it to be. So I opened the door so they can see everything. And uh, that that part can become consuming and tiring uh, and it can wear on you. How many cameras was it and how long did it take for you not to be so awkward with them following you in season one? Well, like I tell everybody, uh, we got a camera on us all the time now. We, we videotaping ourselves 24-7, you know, these young people and, you know, we got followers. The TikTok world has got everybody on a camera. So everybody's used to a camera now. And, and it wasn't a big deal because... When you think about filming uh, growing up, you think about, and I've been around filming growing up, you know, and there's these lights and there's these platforms and big cameras and everything. And it's not any of that. You know, they, they got big, really big cameras, but there's no lights. They're really quiet and they just kind of follow you. They got the packs on. That's the only thing that's awkward is, you know, they have the pack so that, that they can carry the heavy camera. And, they'll, and that's about it. And now at the games, they'll have, you know, big cameras in the corner that can zoom in. These, you know, they told me them cameras are $100,000, $200,000 cameras that they have. But it, it was so far away, they're great cameras where they can zoom in on you. It looks like the camera's right here, but they're zooming in and the cameras are far away. And there's some walking around. But I mean, even before the, the Netflix camera was there, I mean, we had videographers running around now. Everybody's got a highlight video and so it, it it wasn't out of the ordinary uh after a while you got used to it and you got familiar with all the cameramen and everybody's kind of like family we show up every day like hey what's up you know here's the mic and then you just walk in and they just casually start filming you so uh it, it's not that big of a deal once you get um it I, I think the biggest thing is just to be yourself um and to be natural and if you try to play up to it then it even it even makes the camera people uncomfortable. And I think we did a good job, myself, Coach Rob, and the, the other coaches and, uh, you know, the players. I think us being natural, it allowed the players to be natural. And and, uh, and I think it was able to, you know, then you're able to put the stories together, the authentic stories together.
Was there anything looking back you regretted or kind of embarrassed to say in a, a moment or something you would that at the time it didn't feel that way, but when you watch it back, it didn't appear, you know, you, you would have done something different if you knew the knew how it was going to turn out. Well, it's all how it was edited, but the first season I think was, was okay. The second season, I think they got, they came earlier in the second season. So they got me screaming a lot more. And that's me, even in the first season. And it seems like it can be unbearable, but that's the way I wanted at the beginning. Very unbearable until there's a, a, a brokenness so that we can build back up. But that brokenness happens. We want to break bad habits. We want to break, you know, the, I'd say to break these bad spirits. We want to break anything that's going to prevent us from coming together as a group. And so there's a lot of coming at, and I'm just relentless about coming at all of the guys and the players to just break down any disruption, break down selfishness, break down all of that, break down poor habits, poor behavior, poor response. And so I'm on it like that. And I'm just unbearable till it finally that, that the, the will of what's going to, you know, not bring us together is broken. Once that's broken, now build up. They came last, the first season. They had, they, 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 it took a while to get clearance from Netflix. They didn't come until December to start filming. So they got the, it, it, they got the, the tail end when the team was kind of together, when we knew all of the personalities, you know, I even told him, I said, yeah, that's probably somebody you want to follow. You want to follow Deshaun and Joe and these stories and what, what has happened. And I pretty much had control of kind of the team and, and the togetherness and we had got it together. Well, and, and all of those guys on that first season, I, I had been around for, you know, they're coming, they're returners, second year. We got a chance to to build something. Well, the second season of the show, um, mind you, there's only one returner, and that was Des Washington. And Des Washington barely even played uh, in that that on that first team. We were going through COVID. All of these guys are new. Um, nobody knows Eli basketball. And that's one of the toughest things to do in terms of putting together a team. We don't have at least four or five guys that can set the tone. So we had no one to really set um, the tone. And so there was a lot of just, you know, sharing habits and just going through it and trying to break guys down and build them back up and put pieces together. So if you notice a lot of the, the just intensity that I had in the second season we weren't even in practice jerseys. It, that was like, you know, it was like early, it was like late August, September before we even started practicing, really. It was like, you know, conditioning and when you watch it. And so that's when I'm most uh, ferocious, when I'm getting on everybody. And so that's what we'll, a, a lot of what was was taken in terms of the coaching buildup. They wanted to share that story, that part of the story, too, of how, uh, so as they came in September in the second season and they showed the buildup and then eventually um, where the team ended up and it showed the progression of the team and how I start with one group and then I go to another group and uh, the frustrations even for myself and of trying to put together a group, uh, you know, when we've all come together just this first time versus the, the first season of of uh, last chance shoe basketball. You know, those, those guys kind of knew each other. I just had to, you know, we just kind of had to clean them up a little bit and and uh, tweak a few things to get us, and we were 29 and one, you know. And just like this year, which they didn't film, we had a lot of returners, and you know, we made it all the way to the final four, and we were just a 
an injury or, or a foul call away from, you know, you know, taking control of the game in the final four. And we go to the championship game and win the, the team we lost to won the championship. So, uh, but it was a, this team went further and I felt a little bit better because we had a lot of returns. So, uh, so that's what I would say that the, the second season showed me kind of a little more ferocious, like just, just relentless, but they caught me at a time where I am relentless at, in the September in October. And then as November comes, I have to start to build that confidence back up in the guys and say, you know, okay, you guys got it. You know, we responding better. Okay. This is what we need to do now. And uh, as we get in January, February, you know, there's hardly any, you know, there'd be one or two outbursts to, to kind of, you know, make sure we get back on track. You know, as a guy that was in junior college and coached in junior college, what a lot of people that hadn't been in that world realize is, you know, everybody's talented, a lot of talented players, but there's a reason they're at ELAC. There's a reason they're at these schools. It's not all talent. And we we can list the, there's, you know, there's academic, there's attitude, there's bad fit, there's, you know, bad home life, there's financial changes. You know, there's a million changes, but it, the most junior college speech ever, and is it should be played everywhere, is when you give the speech of, Hey, you have no options. You got no choices. I got 15 choices. And yeah. why it seems very harsh if you've never been in that, you got to be straightforward because those guys have came there most likely transferred in and it's mm -hmm. easy to transfer again. It's easy to go, well, hey, I'm leaving at break. And here you are going, you know, trying to lay down the law. So uh, the language you use compared to some of the other guys, it, it saved you a little bit, you know, to get the, the realness or the, um, the genuineness across, but that was a very that was like the most JUCO speech ever. When you, I mean, looking someone in the face, no, hey, you ain't got no choice. Uh, yeah, and I think I think they respect you for that in the long run. Yeah, and he's a great kid who I was talking to, Demetrius. I know they, you know, they put that story together as if he was hard to deal with, and he was, but all of them are. Yeah, yeah. But he was a little, he was just a little bit more out, outward with, uh, I'm gonna do it this way, and that's fine but you don't have a choice. Like I'm trying to put this team together and I'm telling you, this is what you have to do to be successful and play. It's like, you have no other choice. And he was a division one transfer. And I said, this is it. You have no choice. Like I got so many choices and our team is pretty good. And I have enough choices and, and, and California junior college. It's not the national junior college. You got to make sure you keep all of those high level players. So Demetrius is a high level player. And, but I still had a choice. California junior college isn't as strong. So like I can still take the guy who will dive on the floor who maybe is 5'10", you know, versus Demetrius who's 6'4 and can score and can be prolific. I can still take the 5'10 guy and win. You can't do that at some levels, you know. You still got to take talent. You got to deal with the talent, deal with the attitudes. I think, you know, that's what we deal with now at the, the high major levels. They got to deal with guys who want to collect those NIL deals and, they got to deal with those personalities. I don't actually have to deal with it. We can still win with guys who would just work hard and do the right thing and uh, and less talent. Uh, so I said, I got more choices than you got. You know, the, you know, if, if this is in the NBA, you know, I'm a, I'm here at the Lakers. The Lakers, you don't have a choice. You can, you, you better hope Anthony Davis is is healthy. If he's not, then that's it. And then where, whatever, where else do you go? You better hope LeBron James is healthy. You know, if LeBron James takes five bad shots in a row, what other choices do you have? It's just like, well, let's just hope LeBron, you know, 
takes better shots, you know. But LeBron is not coming off the floor. You know, Anthony Davis is not coming off the floor and so forth. But here, I, I have more choices. I have more choices than you. You know, that's what I that's what I was really sharing in that moment. That's just kind of what I felt. Speaking of California basketball, when we met in person, one of the things you we brought up just casually talking is uh I guess I didn't really ever think about this, but I guess the the notion is that because you guys don't play the national uh, NJCA schedule, you you don't get the respect you deserve across the country. So uh, during COVID, I think you were telling me you guys were setting up maybe going to Kansas and playing or something like that. But how was that not only on the travel side, but just the you know how good you are and you know how good those teams are in your region, but you got to listen to it. Well, I think the top, teams here and it's just i think the top teams here we had a, a team i think san bernardino they went out and they played and they 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 uh i think one of the, the tournaments in uh salt lake it's great great tournament they went out and won maybe three out of three out of four games against the national uh you know some high level uh teams and and, and uh, they were in elite eight they were and they went to the state championships as well, San Bernardino. We feel like we could compete with, uh, you know, some of the top teams. If we were, I would say the top five teams in California could possibly be in the top 15, top 20 if if they were the NJCAA. So that's what I feel. Uh, I think there are two or three more players. They have two or three more high-level players than the top teams in California. So if if I'm a top team here, let's say I got four or five guys I think can play Division One. They may have two more, and that's just because they have scholarships and the reputation of it being a national junior college. But and and for the most part, if we're a top team in California the year, I feel like we could be you know we could be up and squeeze up there in the top fifteen or top ten in a national junior college, uh, you know, uh, ranks and and and. I believe the national the, the national junior colleges they they feel the same. They're like, no, I mean, you know, we, we got a hundred and one teams out here, but uh, I would say you know, fifteen of us can compete with the top twenty teams. You know, but there's not not uh, too many because we don't have scholarships, and a lot of our coaches in California are not full time coaches. They're part time coaches. The majority are part time coaches. And they get classes. And so it's a stipend-based position here in the California Community College. I'm fortunate enough uh, that I was a stipend guy and for like five years. And then finally, I got a position here as a full-time tenure, which I'm able to have some more, more stability and you know put together a better team. But a lot of the coaches are part-time. But yeah, to hear that, um, I was going to go. And, you know, because we did a little fundraising and, and a lot of people liked our story and they donated to our program, I was setting up to go. And unfortunately, politics got in the way. So it was very uh, unfortunate for the kids. And just politics got in the way. And we're so innocently wanted to go play in Kansas. Was, we, we couldn't travel because the state, we can't spend the state money or even money that we fundraise through the school in like 22 states, you know, because of the state law of whatever. If if they don't, if, if a certain state doesn't support, uh, you know, whatever agendas uh, that California has, then we cannot spend money. We can't travel and spend uh, the, the state's money there. So 
that was very disappointing that, that politics got involved in something so innocent uh, just to travel and play and be able to see that. Uh, and even uh, that was going to happen with Netflix. They were going to travel with us, but we couldn't travel outside of the state and spend the state state's money. And I, and I, I couldn't afford to pay for it. So I could have paid for it myself, but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't even get reimbursed with our fundraise money because the fundraise money is in an account uh, here at the school I couldn't even be reimbursed for it, even if I paid for it. So that was disappointing that we couldn't travel and that, you know, at the highest level, uh, they have these agendas. But, you know, here, us, these innocent kids that just want to innocently go play, have an opportunity to be on display in, in, on a national stage for college coaches to see them uh, compete against other, you know, national junior college teams. We're not able to do it because of some higher level agenda. Speaking of coaching and playing these games, you know, a big question I got for you is anybody that watches the show know at the core you love basketball, you love coaching, but you love people. Uh, Netflix and, and, you know, now that me and my wife have been in church more and Oasis Church and, and really, uh, you know, sometimes God puts his hands on certain people and, you know, it changed the world, man, with the right platform. So how, how hard is it right now? Uh, you still enjoy coaching? You still love it? And I know you, I know the answer is going to be yes, but how uh, how time-consuming is it to do both? I mean, you get these random podcasts, these interviews. I'm sure you're getting all these job offers and stuff, and you still love your 12 or 15 kids and want to move them on and get them better. And I, I know you're trying to win a state championship more than anything. So uh, take me through that process right now as a human being on, on how life's changed, how life's changed. Yeah, it's just it's just added more. But you know what? I've, I've been selective about what I've taken on, and I'm I'm just Mosley, man. I'm not trying to do anything, uh, you know, extra that's going to remove me from who I am. And I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, there's been some opportunities that would have removed me from being able to, you know, inspire and impact lives. You know, I think you got if you if you're going to do that, if you're going to help everybody, how what can we do to help? You know what you could do? You can stop, pause, and look somebody in the eye or really spend that genuine time in effort to support or help that person. Not necessarily, sometimes it might not be with that person, but spending time, pausing and spending time and effort, and, and in most cases, it won't bring in any income uh, to spend time with somebody and help them fill out their financial aid or help them, uh, you know, with their classwork and, and all of that. And so, anything that removed me from that, I've, I've, I've kind of said no to, you know, I've had some high major opportunities and I feel like, well, if I stay here and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty secure with being here and, uh, financially, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll hopefully make as much money in the long run by just these, you know, incremental steps versus going and taking a big check out of power five school that offered me an assistance job, where all I'd be doing is running around trying to find five stars, you know, and what, you know, what am I doing? You know, I'm out there trying to build a brand. I'm trying to build a university's brand, but here at the community college, I can pour into lives, you know, and I think God called me to minister and plant seeds. Anything I've done, I came back from the missions trip and uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I just had an inkling or a desire to kind of help people and, and then all of a sudden, if basketball falls into my lap, as I, I had no idea I was going to coach, I just asked my head coach, my former coach, hey, I got one class to finish. Can you help me pay for it? He said, yeah, sure. Come 
come sit on the uh, bench with me and just be an assistant. That way I can justify helping you finish your degree. And so I do that and I find myself engaged and it's like, it's back to team bonding and I'm involved with that and helping guys individually. I see them come to me and coach, man, I don't know if I can do with head coach. And, and so I helped talk them through it. And then eventually I realized that I liked number one, I still like competing and I can compete as a coach. Um, that was something that was big. And I learned the nuances of basketball uh, on the other side. I really didn't have a, a, a you know, I love competing, but then when I got on uh, and listened to the head coach who coached me, and now I got him from, uh, you know, a partner relationship as a coach, I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. I can see the nuances and how things get put together and, and how a team is fixed. And that was fascinating to me as well, how you bring a team together, uh, how you can impact lives. And we did ministry with basketball as well. And that was something that it was just all, I was seeing all of that, uh, through my mentor and my former head coach, like all of the, the, uh, you know, with integrity, being able to win, you know, with integrity, honest winning, uh, being able to do ministry. It was a Christian college that we were coaching at. And so I was able to see all of that. And I was like, man, that's something I would love to do, but Hey man, these public entities, you know, how can you do that there? And, uh, it was just been pressed on me to do that. This is the level I can do it. Uh, best at because it's a level where not so many people care, you know, about your success or the kids. So they kind of leave you alone in the sense where I can spend one-on-one -on -one time. Uh, they don't, you know, it's not a big deal if we win or lose here in California. They, it's not many, these institutions really care, you know, it's, it's community college. It's almost like trade schools, you know, it's like they really could care less. Uh, I think the biggest thing is transferring. And so they, they support us because we're transferring guys, but it's not like they're going to say, oh man, we great, you know, glad you won and let's get the whole school out to support you. Um, so, but for the most part, man, I, I, I like this. And unless God calls me outside of it, I could do the same thing at a higher level, then I'll do it. But uh, in most cases, I, it, it will be tough to really inspire and impact lives because I would be, I know myself, I'd be so consumed with winning so that I don't lose my job. Or, you know, I've been invited to speak and travel around the world and do that. And I'll, I'll speak occasionally, uh, but I cannot, um, I cannot uh, go on these tours that, you know, so man, you could make tons of money. Can't go on these tours because I'll lose myself. That's not, it's not me. You know, it's not me that I want to coach and individually get somebody in here and meet with them and, and, and work out uh through that and yeah i'll lose a ton of money but in the long run i i, I think I, i'll i'll gain a lot of money from that but i'll i'll, I'll kind of lose myself and I'll, I'll be miserable again because you know it would be just about me if it's not about me it's about about others speaking of losing yourself you're a washington prep star out of high school uh end up at elac you're an alumni you know the process of going there uh you know the process of being a player turned coach for for a coach who you loved and respected Take me through what it's been like to not only live out the transition that you're now helping kids with daily, but also to be alumni of a school and to see what, you know, the Last Chance You documentary and the winning you've brought to the program uh, has kind of done as alumni. It's got to mean a little bit more to you as a guy who has, has been a part of you since you were 18 years old. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I think right now loyalty to a fault, man. I'm, I'm really – 
And I don't know if it's family. I, I don't know why. I don't know. There's something about me that likes to be loyal and stay loyal. And so being loyal, always coming and giving back and making sure that it's known where I've come from and that, you know, anything that's come out of me or anything that uh, that I'm about is because of where I've come from. It's become because of my high school experience, my junior college experience, my college experience, and be able to absorb all of what I can learn from those places, whether it's good or bad, and then be able to make sure that everybody knows this is what the makeup was. And this is why not some, you know, Oh, I read this great book by so-and-so or, you know, Michael Jordan inspired me. Like, yeah, I love Michael Jordan, but a lot of what uh, changed my life was how I grew up. And uh, that came from a high school. I grew up in the hood and, you know, so I'll bring all of that to the table. I, you know, they say, you know, when you make it, you sell out. And uh, I didn't want to, I'm not ghetto, you know, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, you know that I'm going to try my best to stay real in the moment and who I am and all of the characteristics and all of the, a lot of the quotes and the personality that came out. It came from my high school and my, my experiences, junior college and my family and my church. And, uh, you know, I, I even worried, I was like, man, should I, you know, they asked me, Hey, let's go to you. We want to come to your church. And I was thinking like, shoot, man, I should maybe go to this big church and what, let them see me praising him. And I said, man, I was ashamed of myself. Cause I was like, no, nah, my church, I said, it's a small church. It's probably about 50 of us in there. And, you know, and they were, it, you know, by just staying real with who you are, I think, it just resonated better and it, it was a better story because we've become so fake, man. And it's, it's I mean, Instagram and TikTok has made us fake and everybody can be something that they're not. You know, we got filters for everything. You know, everybody is filtered, man. Every time you see something, it's just a filter. And, uh, you know, to, to be unfiltered, it felt like I was going to be embarrassed, but ultimately it it, it gave a better message uh, you know, I was loyal to my church. I'm like, nah, man, I'm going to my church. This is where I grew up. It's a small storefront church. Not many people in there. You know, it's not a, we don't have all these great programs. We got this giant, huge youth service. We got a adult service. We got this mass choir. Well, we didn't have all that, man. We just in there worshiping and serving God innocently, uh, trying to be above reproach. And, and, uh, I mean, that's, the way the world, that's my world. And so I try to stay loyal to that. Same as here. Try to stay loyal to what it looks like here. You know, you worry like, man, should we fix it up before the cameras come? And I'm like, you know what, man? Spend all my energy fixing it up. It's not going to even matter. Uh, my wife was ticked off. She was like, because we, we, you know, we got this, we got a nice house and, you know, that we were renting out, but we're staying in this rental temporarily and she's like oh my gosh i can't we're standing in this little small house and the cameras are coming this is embarrassing let's go back and move i'm like no nah, our house is like you know a half an hour further away up north i'm like man i'm not doing that you know we got a nice five bedroom and it's a nice uh nicer area and and uh but i was like well we're staying here for now we're renting and it's a small house temporarily just for our little transition time and we were and she was embarrassed about that and i'm like well this is what it is whatever i, I don't know what to tell you and so there you go i mean it's, it's you know I, I think just staying loyal 
to the you know the church to schools and just where you come from was important and uh that's why i can't go and do anything else that's gonna remove that authenticity because i'll get miserable i'll make money but i'll be miserable well coach i had a ton more questions to ask you but i, I think it's important for everybody to know that that the most famous uh junior college basketball coach in the country still teaches a class so uh, we want to be very yeah. conscious of your time so these, these nice kids can get an education and uh we we, uh, I, I wanted to say, I mean, your son had a had a standing, outstanding year this year. I believe his name Player of the Year. So, want to you know definitely praise him because he. I know it's not easy being in that spotlight or probably you know you know how those crazy dads are on the way home from games. So, I know you probably had yeah. a hard on. Where is he going to play at Elac or where is he going to go? No, he just uh, uh, committed to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. So oh, wow. they're in the Big West Conference. So he's going to go there. And great student, four three, and that's you know he's gonna go in in engineering. So that was uh, something that was, uh, yeah, I was in the midst of that man, trying to guide my kids and all that. Man, I, I don't have time for anything else, but but what's real. So uh, yeah, so we're we're proud of that. He just committed, and like literally last week, uh, that that's where he's going. So I'm excited about that, and I still got two more to get out the door, and then me and my wife. Then then you might see me take off, man, when these kids get out the door. I get them to college. Now I might take another job somewhere because I don't won't have to worry about them as much, you know, in terms of high school. We we had every show with what I call five moments of truth. You can answer these as long or as short as you want. Uh, question one, give me the best advice you've ever received and from who? Uh, you know what? I'll give you the kind of two. One is my buddy's dad told me and he passed away. My buddy, I think he's working for the Nuggets now. I started coaching and he said, uh, whispered in my ear and they made reference on the show rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so I kind of always remember that always rules without, I got to make sure I have a relationship before I can speak into anybody's or help anybody is having a relationship with them. And then ironically, my mentor was mentored by John Wooden. I got a chance to spend time with John Wooden and I always remember he said, we sitting there eating. John Wooden said for every high, there is a low. He said, you know, uh, every high there is a low. So uh, just remember when things are going great, then there's some lows coming. When things are down, there's some highs coming. So stay right there in the middle. The question two, give me your uh, biggest mentor. Well, uh, I would say uh, I got to go with uh, the word of God, man. I, I would take that. There's some people, a lot of people that that's, have spoken into my life. From a basketball standpoint, my college coach, he passed away, Bill Oates. Uh, there's Mike Miller. There's my dad being number one, and he's passed away as well. But but ultimately, man, you know, the source that I'm going to listen to, number one source is God. Question three, give me the best up-and-coming coach in your sport. The best up-and-coming coach. Uh, shoot, man. There's a lot, man. There's a lot of guys uh that are up and coming uh that's a hard question man i i don't know we we run I, that's, rob that's a, we gotta give rob we gotta give rob a shout out we got rob well rob is see the thing about it is rob is not up and coming rob was successful before he came to elac coach hunter is successful i mean everybody's they've already been successful so i can't say they're up and coming they've already they've already yeah, come yeah. they've they've already come and they've already been up and coming when you say up and coming, I think of who's some young guys who have done something and they're on their way. Uh, but those guys like Rob, yeah, man, he's he's 
phenomenal. I don't even know how I got him here. Uh, and he's working it out down there at Miracosa College. He's going to do great down there. And Coach Hunter and just – so, to me, they weren't up and coming because yeah, yeah. I've known them for a while, and they were, they've were they been coaching for, for years and years years to come. But, uh, yeah, so that's a hard question, man, because there's tons of guys I know. I don't want to offend anybody. All you young guys listening, we tried to get Coach to stamp one of you guys, but he, he wouldn't answer. So, uh, Okay, everybody's – yeah, I mean, you know what, it's the I, – I, I've lived the coach's life. Uh, and I'm still living it out. And I already know, man, whether you win or lose, uh, what you pouring into it and what your convictions are, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't have to be about coaching. It's, you know, there's some experiences. There's some, you got to have good administration. You got to have good players. You got to have, there's so many variables that go into it that you can't just pinpoint and say he's a good or bad coach because because of wins or losses. Same thing with a lot of wins. You can win a lot of games. It's like, well, he inherited somebody else's team and all that, you know. Or treats the kids awful off the field, off yes. the court. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Question four, give me your personal or professional goals for 2023. Uh, It's just to get, you know, it's just to continue to build my faith. You get so consumed with life that um, – that you lose sight of that. And every day I, I say, man, I, I need to make sure I draw back to my strength. And and then also, you know, making sure my family is well-being is, is good. We get so busy. We get so consumed that our family starts to, I'm consciously aware that our family is, I'm becoming too busy. And, my, you know, I need to make sure I continue to stay, uh, keep the family uh, in order. That's, that's first. I need to make sure because if I can't, uh, maintain that, then how can I maintain anything outside of my home if I can't maintain that? So that that's important to me uh, professionally, just continue to do what we're doing and, and maybe build this brand a little bit more and help these young men out. I, I'm concerned every year because I was like, man, how am I going to get these kids out? How am I going? So that conviction is in me every year because um, if, if they're not moving on and successful, then I'm not successful. That's the way I'll take it. Last question. It's open ended. You answer however you want. We started this whole thing to be a part of change. Anybody listening, if they if they just get to the last part, this is all they hear. Uh, I know change is very important to you. Tell anybody listening how we can make this world a better place. It's not about you. It's not about you. You got to be selfless, uh, and then that's where where it'll start. Because if you look into those hearts of others and not yourself, serving can change a lot, man. Um, but if if we're even serving so that we can get recognition, then it's not going to work out. If we're trying to change, make change to get recognition. I mean, even if you're trying to create and we talk about creators and I think about my son going into engineering and we went to an engineering school, which was amazing. We, you know, we've, we've gone and done those tours and I look at all of these creators and I'm thinking at, about all these creators and the best creators come out of the passion to serve others and even those that are rich, you know, you look at the great creators, you look at Elon Musk or you look at the Amazon create or Microsoft or whatever. So, yeah, right now <clears throat> they may be a little, you know, narcissistic, you know, they get a lot of attention. But initially uh, they wanted to help. They wanted to make change. They wanted to create something to make change, to make life better, to make things better. And it's, it's selfless. You got to think about others in order. Let me think about what can help others. And then guess what? That'll work out. If you think about yourself, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to buy the product that's going to help you. We want to buy the product that's going to help everyone. And you, 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 
you work so hard, you know, all those great creators. And I make the reference and I'm not talking about in terms of people. I make the reference of those who've created or invented. They're literally consumed thinking about other people. Like, how can this help that the disabled? How can this help the colored? How can this help the minority? How can this help the poor? How can this help the tall? How can this help the short? How can this help the overweight? You know, and so they've taken into consideration all of that. They didn't take into consideration, okay, what can just help me? Because it wouldn't, it wouldn't block, it wouldn't take off. So I think you really have to be selfless if you want to make change. And, uh, and, it, it, and sometimes at the end, it, it ends up not being about self, but it really takes off because, uh, because whoever's doing the creating or whoever's, you know, pouring into or whatever their initial intention is to serve others. Coach, I appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. I know you got to get to class. As a guy that loves people and just loves, uh, fascinated with successful people outside of baseball, I can't thank you enough for coming on the Chase Brewster Show. I know you get tons of uh, requests and all kind of stuff, and I, I just can't thank you enough, man. If I could ever help you in any way for, for spending these 50 minutes with us, I, you got it, no problem, man. I appreciate you, and uh, we definitely wish you guys luck next season. And, again, if we can ever help, please let us know. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me, bro. Thanks, Coach.